Hello and welcome to Agile at Lundbeck. We've all heard about Agile, but what exactly is it? On Agile at Lundbeck, we ask various stakeholders to give their take on your questions about Agile, so you understand it, form and inform your own opinions, and maybe even implement it when it makes sense. I'm Mette Michael, And I'm Christine Jensen, and we're your hosts on Agile at Lundbeck. Welcome to Agile at Lundbeck. Today we'll focus on how we can be innovative and creative in our problem solving while also ensuring that we get tangible outcomes from our work. Therefore, we've invited Sene, who heads up digital innovation, and Mede, head of the Agile Center, to the studio to get their take on how to work with problem solving and innovation. Thank you for being here today. Thank you. Yes, it's a pleasure being here. Would you like to present yourselves and what you do in Lundbeck? Yes, so my name is Sene Bektorko. I've been in Lundbeck for almost four years, working with digital innovation in the digital innovation department, where we support Lundbeck's digital strategy. We do that by working on projects mostly with design thinking. And that means asking, why are we doing this project and what is the problem really that we are trying to solve? And my name is uh, Mette Michael. I've been with Lundbeck for almost 20 years and I've been working primarily in the commercial part of the organization. And most recently, I've been working with the executive management team and Deborah. Since the spring of 2021, I've been heading up the Agile Center, where we support the organization, both teams and managers, in applying Agile tools and the Agile mindset. And the objective is basically to add value to produce better products and outcomes in a faster and more efficient manner. So sometimes even small changes can add significant value. Thank you both. Before we dive into the different aspects of innovation, it may be good to ask, why is it relevant for the Agile at Lundbeck podcast to discuss the topic of how we can be innovative and creative in our approach to problem solving? That's probably one for you, Mette. Well, thank you. Uh, thinking about Lundbeck in general, we all know that innovation is key to our success. So innovation allows us to stay relevant to the patients and in a competitive market. It also secures our economic growth and thereby creates a sustainable business, which is definitely one of the aims of Lundbeck. And in an agile context within research and development, if we think back at when the research and development leadership team decided to introduce agile, Boosting innovation was one of those reasons why we wanted to be inspired by the Agile ways of working. So innovation is definitely relevant to this podcast. Yeah, and, and looking at the digital strategy, we want to be able to do new things with digital. So here innovation is also a, a key outcome. We are aiming it in able to use digital technologies across the value chain to create better and faster innovation in our development of new treatments. And then I guess that both of your areas, the digital innovation team as well as the Agile Center, are introducing new ways of working. So we are essentially also trying to help the organization being innovative in the ways we work. Completely agree. Yeah, I agree to that. We would see that the projects that we needed to deliver to enable the digital strategy, they kind of needed a new way of being facilitated to be successful as they were, the projects were more unknown and therefore a bit more risky for Lumpic. So we introduced, for example, design thinking early in the project's life to define what is the problem really we need to solve and who are the main users. These kind of questions, they are assumed in, in more traditional ways of delivering projects that they're already defined, but often they can be difficult to define with these a bit more complex projects. 
And that can lead to really expensive failures if it's not clearly investigated and aligned before the real implementation starts. I know both of you work a lot with problem solving and innovation and are quite passionate about these topics. Sani, maybe you could shed some light on the textbook definition of innovation and what it means to you in practical terms as well. Okay, so if I'm allowed to be a little bit nerdy here, then when I was studying innovation theory, we learned that innovation is a commercialization of a new idea. And that kind of means putting it into use. So it's not just getting a new idea for a process or service or product, but delivering on all the practical elements as well to make it into use. Because what what is a successful product or new process worth if it is not used? For me, in use, the commercialization part is what differentiates creativity with innovation. Uh, and I think that actually relates very fine back to the comment you made earlier, Christine. So making changes to the way we work and to our approach to a problem is also innovation. These changes should help us create better outcomes to patients in a faster and more efficient manner. Sen. I know you also have a point about empathy and its importance when working with innovation. Could you please share your thoughts? Yeah, in my team, we always start up with an empathy phase to understand the patient or, or the user that we are making a product or solution to. And it can sound super soft, but in reality, it's the most important phase. Maybe you heard the saying, assumption is the mother of all mistakes. And that's really often true. So before we work too much with our own assumption on what others need or why they behave the way they do, we interview and observe users to understand their point of view, which then is used to align our team's assumption and you know, our internal Olympic team to get a common starting point to defining the problem to solve and, um, and testing them out. So empathy is simply put, do we really understand our users? Do we understand their lives, what matters to them? What do they really want to achieve when engaging or not engaging with our product or processes? If we keep these definitions in mind, what can we, and here I mean all of us at Lundbeck, what can we do to set up the organization for successful innovation? Well, research shows that innovation is a collective phenomenon and it means that it most often happens when people are together and when people build on each other's idea. And that underpins the importance of having an organizational setup that allows people and their ideas to meet and to mate to create new ideas. So we already work cross-functionally, but I think that we can do this even more. However, it's not necessarily easy to work cross-functional as you bring a lot of different viewpoints to the table and that may result in more discussions and what could feel like a more cumbersome process. But research does show that uh, you do get a better outcome and solutions if you try to include as many viewpoints as early as possible. So, Mehdi, you're actually talking about collaboration. That's also reflected in one of Lundbeck's five strategic imperatives, the one called Enhance Organizational Agility and Collaboration. I also hear a lot of talk about cross-functional collaboration in Lundbeck, but maybe it's not as easy as you also point to, Mehdi. What do you think, Sene? Yeah, I would like to add to that, that the importance of mixing capabilities and being yourself in, in terms of culture and mindset and so on. Because in this way, we bring in reality earlier in our projects that might otherwise cause them to fail. It may not be easier to work in this way as it is 
most of us are just to jump on some work with people who have the same point of view as yourself. But the results after implementation improve tremendously when the early ideations and I improve with the, yeah, just the messy reality. I'm curious, Sene. What's your experience with methods that help us investigate problems in more detail that also allow room for different viewpoints? One method we use is to pay attention to what annoys you. When some insights come up which are not aligned with what we actually really want to hear, like as a patient, I don't like to take my medication or as an employee, I don't want to come back to the office. We we can't get annoyed. We're thinking like, can you see that it's uh, best for your health or How should we work creatively together if we never meet? But truly great answers and innovation comes from investigating. Why do you get annoyed? What have you not yet understood? And how might you turn that annoying trend into an advantage for you? So take the example of the patient. We must really understand them. Why don't they want to take their medication when it's best for their health? And maybe we need to do the work to change how we communicate to them more or something. But it's it's really on us to figure out how to do it. That's really interesting. Mid- What are your experiences with innovation and problem solving? So essentially, after having a clear understanding of the problem, how do we then try and solve it? Or we could ask, how can we foster innovation? I like Sandra's question, what annoys you? Overall, I think there are many things that we can do to create an environment that is better suited for innovation. In addition to the collaboration aspect that we mentioned just before, we can also increase focus on learning and experimentation. We know that innovation is closely linked to these two concepts and we learn from experiments. So I think that We as an organization can think about initiating more experiments and then based on these outcomes of the experiments, we adjust and adapt the things that we are working on. However, with experimentation also comes failure. Experiments will sometimes go wrong and therefore it is critical that we as an organization have a tolerance for error, meaning that there's room to fail, of course, as long as these failures and errors are not uh, easy to avoid mistakes. Yeah, and, and building on many thoughts to enable us to experiment and learn, it, it's really a great advantage if our experiments are small, so the potential loss, time and money is minimal. And to be honest, I haven't yet tried any project that can be tested and improved prior to being built. And when you do that, the changes are almost free to do. So cutting bigger tasks into smaller activities that we can validate and work on in iterations is really key to learning instead of failing. In in my point of view, you fail when you spend a million and a year on building something that is not really used, but you learn when you spend a few weeks and a few thousands. To give an example of something we done here in, in Lundbeck, and once we made an app to go into a clinical study that could measure cognition. And us, the team who was looking into it, we were in our 30s and 20s and We're used to working with technology and the participant for the study to be recruited, they were plus 60. So we ended up inviting some 70-year-old in to to just try out the app that they, we considered. And we found out that they couldn't even get through the onboarding to get into the test part. And that was such a important learning, not only the fact that they couldn't get into it, but also the fact that they thought because the app came from a company like Lundbeck that they respected that if they couldn't do it, it must be something wrong with them. And of course, when it comes to onboarding, it should always be easy to do, right? So always out and test and learn. Yeah, I agree. That's very important. 
And this is also where the whole concept of the minimum viable product comes into play or MVP as it's also abbreviated. So we can be better at working with work in progress versions. By that, I mean that what we bring to discussions are not 100% picture perfect finished versions but rather maybe 30% complete or 80% complete, because I think that the value uh, it adds to produce these 100% picture-perfect versions are not justified by the time it takes produce it. And we can actually do what Sally exactly talked about, test and validate by showing and discussing these 30 or 80% versions. And that is where the use of consultative meetings also becomes relevant. Because that's where you can get feedback on work in progress or on minimum viable products that will allow us to adapt and approve early on when developing new products. Sometimes the quality and low failure rate that we require in our development of medication, I think maybe it could be a mental hindrance for us when we need to apply a more free mindset for producing other things where the cost of failure is lower, but the price of using too much time on the wrong thing becomes the failure. I agree. And we know that innovation happens when people are free to think and experiment and when there's a free capacity to come up with new hunches and combine different thoughts in new ways. That requires slack, meaning that people should have free capacity in their schedule and not be overloaded. It's this slack that gives space to think and combine things in new structures. It also requires focus for people to make these deep dives into different topics. We have in previous podcasts talked about the importance of prioritization. And I think that is also relevant in this context. Prioritization allows people to focus and thereby have less context switching, which is a waste of brain power. That was quite a few things you mentioned there. If I am to summarize what we in Lundbeck individuals and as an organization, what we can do to foster innovation, it is collaborating so people meet and share ideas, experimenting and create learnings based on that, cutting bigger tasks into smaller activities and working in iterations, working with a minimum viable product mindset, mixing capabilities that will bring reality to our projects earlier in the process, having clear prioritization to create slack and focus. Thank you so much for your time, Sanna and Midi. It was really interesting. Thank you, Christine. It was a pleasure being here. Yes, so it was really a pleasure. Let's do it again another time. Yeah, it was interesting. Thank you. And thank you to the listener for listening in on this podcast.